1: The 1870s, 80s, and 90s were a volatile time for French winemakers. The Franco-Prussian War had left Paris in a shambles after a long siege, a siege so serious that restaurants started serving rats and other unusual animals in order to combat starvation. During this time of political and social chaos, phylloxera raged through the vineyards, and there was no clear plan of action for combating it. In the early 1870s, some blamed steamships for bringing vines from America across the Atlantic in record times, which didn't give phylloxera enough time to perish during the usually long journey. And many people still denied there was a problem at all, and they chalked up the dying vines to a brief malady caused by changing weather and geology. But soon the problem could not be ignored or brushed away as a strange one-time phenomenon. Desperate farmers drove wagons full of dead vines to the markets to sell as firewood. Others pulled out all their vines and burned their land in an attempt to exterminate Phylloxera. And others spent much time and money injecting sulfur directly into their soils to kill the bug. After seeing some vines survive on waterlogged riverbanks, some wine growers flooded their vineyards, hoping to drown Phylloxera, and they met with some success. Soon, American entomologists started making connections between Darwin's theory of evolution and why phylloxera affected European vines, but not U.S. vines. The evolution of the American grape vines over long periods of time with phylloxera made them resistant. But in Europe, Darwin's theory of evolution was still being debated and contested. And a clear link between pest-resistant species and evolution wasn't made as strongly by many farmers in France. In the early days of the infestation, non-Darwinists made logical assumptions that led them to look for causes of the problem in the wrong areas. Because they didn't accept evolution, non-Darwinists pointed to the differences with phylloxera in American and European vines as differences in soil or climate. And meanwhile, things got worse. Local economies were disrupted. Vineyard workers and farmers soon had to either seek work in cities or start planting other crops besides grapes. Disease spread through winemaking towns, as many people were faced with the loss or diminishment of their livelihood. Some scrambled to order American vines from the U.S. to plant, but wines from these were received poorly by wine critics. Soon, though, grafting became a viable option. Nurseries began supplying vineyards with grafted stock. During a long period of replanting after the devastation, several wine regions were reshaped many regions settled on a few varieties to focus on, in part because of what was available in terms of grafted stock, and in part because by limiting grafting experiments to a few varieties, there would be less variables, and the results of the grafting could be better observed. Well, we all know how those grafting experiments turned out. Looking back, we see how grafting saved the wine industry, and we can thank the early experimenters for the work they did Stay tuned to hear more from one of the earliest families to plant grafted vines in Burgundy, and one of the few to make great wines in the early days of Phylloxera.
0: It's not enough to make great wine. You also have to reach the consumer that appreciates that wine. And That's where Offset is an incredible asset. Offset is an independent brand design and commerce technology company that connects with wineries on a human level to help them connect with consumers on a human level. Offset is based in wine country and staffed by creative strategists and technologists who are superb at helping create and evolve wine brands through visual identity and package design, developing the look, feel, and tone of your web content as well as building beautiful and effective websites powered by their proprietary e-commerce platform, Offset Commerce. That's why leaders like Frog Sleep, Grace Family Vineyards, and Rain Winery already rely on Offset. Reach out to the brilliant team at Offset at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T, partners with an S, -S 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 dot com. Offset is focused on the wine industry and can embrace the nuanced needs of your wine brand. Jean-Louis Trappé of Trappé, Père Fils in Gevray. Hello, sir. How are you?
2: Fine. Thank you very much. I apologize because uh, it's quite difficult for me to speak English, but uh, I guess after a few drops of uh, your excellent water, it will be uh, much more easier for me.
0: Well, we also have uh, Brandy and Mar available. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's, that's, a few. that's nice.
2: I really like that.
0: Yeah. Your family has a long history in... Gervais, and in particular with certain Grand Cru's that are in that area, Chambertin, Latruchière-Chambertin, and chapelle chambertin
2: Exactly, we are very lucky for that, because uh, perhaps we can't really remember when we start, uh, but, no, I I joke, I think that uh, uh, le Chambertin is excellent for brain cells. So, uh, uh, my family come from uh, a tout petit village, Chambol-Musigny, and uh, we just had a very long trip just before the uh, 1870 uh, World War. And uh, my great-great-father married a uh, jeune fille de Gevray-Chambertin. And uh, then, gradually, we uh, could afford and buy some, uh, one of the best Grand Cru uh, of the Côte de Nuit. So I'm very proud about that. Yeah. Mm.
0: And your great-grandfather was Arthur?
2: Uh, no, my great-great-father was the first Louis Oh, well, he was the first Louis. exactly. And his son was Arthur. his uh, his grandson was Louis Trappe. Uh, he was the father of my father, Jean Trappe, and then we have Jean-Louis, and uh, then we have also I have also two uh, two sons, Pierre and Louis. Because uh, uh, for a long time it was Louis Trappe. Exactly. On the label, this is what you uh, usually saw. But uh, in fact, the very first Louis Trappe came from Chambol, and he had the idea, I think, I believe hardly in the, in the fact that it's a sort of innovation he met just after this war, uh, 1870 uh, w- war against the Prussians, you know, uh, he just uh, had the idea to receive some people from uh, Dijon who have been soldiers at the uh, Dijon Gardison. And at this time, it was just before the phylloxera he met a soldier from the south of France. And this man told my grand great that Philoxerra was awful. So he decided, and he said to my uh, grand-grandfather, Louis Trappé, oh, you know, uh, it's quite, uh," because my grand-grandfather, Louis Trappé, was very uh, open-minded and uh, very, uh, he he liked to, to, to welcome people and to have chat, discussion with people. So he had uh, some discussion, and he said to uh, uh, my grand-grandfather, oh, uh, Louis, there is different uh, solution against the phylloxera. I don't know if you heard about phylloxera, but it was a a real plague, you know. And uh, he said there is a first uh, method, which which is um, you can use sulfur. uh, And uh, he said it's, it's quite difficult to use that because you must do that every year. You must and it needs a lot of money and also a lot of, of work to do that. And the other solution could be, he told that to my grand-grandfather, could be perhaps to throw the vineyard, but you can't do that because you have very nice slopes, so it's absolutely impossible. And there is a third solution, which is quite a good solution. So at this time, it's to graft, to graft the vineyard. And in fact, at the this uh, time, it was not a load on Côte d'Or. It was only a load on Saône-et-Loire. On what he've done, he took his, uh, it was not a car, it was like a uh, chariot, you know. And uh, he took the American plant from Chany And then during the whole night, he used to graft the, the vine and then he replanted. it and gradually it was very impressive because uh, we saw the very first image of uh, this phylloxera uh, sur les Clos Saint-Jacques on the clous Saint-Jacques uh, area in 1882. Uh, 80, so uh, at this time it was uh, absolutely awful because people uh, don't really realize what what uh, what the phylloxera can can be and uh he start to replant some very nice plots of premier cru for example les corbeaux and some other uh, very close to the grands crus and uh at this time you I, I i must say that um it was not allowed because it people saw that this graft was quite a, like a, a filter you know on uh, on bourgogne what we am, what we reach to get the real typicity of, your, of our soil through the wine. So at this time, I think it was quite normal and uh, quite fair to think that because people uh, don't really know the effect of the grafting on the grapes and after on the wine. And uh, it just to the wine of these graft vines and uh, some uh, wine merchants uh, really appreciate. He presents it on, I don't know if you uh, have been at this time, but there is a, a famous fair in Bourgogne the third uh, Sunday of uh, November uh, La Vente is a piece de Spice de Bonne and there is a special uh, exhibit which is called uh, L'Exhibition des, uh, des, des, des Vins de Bourgogne and he presents this, his wine and people say, oh, that's very good wine, and also it's a, it's one which represents the, the terroir. And uh, gradually he could afford, he could buy some very nice premier cru. And then in 1904, he could afford les Latricières Chambartin, and he was very, very proud of that.
0: So basically, Louis went out in the cover of darkness and grafted vines because it wasn't allowed at the time.
2: Uh-huh. This is what we can perhaps call the innovation, you know. But it's it's very curious because at this time he had a very good friend who have been uh, quite large owner of, uh, for example, uh, Chapelle-Chambertin. His name was Truchet, and he, he was a very, very clever man. He was very in- innovative. Uh, he was, for example, the inventor of um, a sort of machine for in- injecting the, the sulfur. And uh, after 10 years, for example... He couldn't uh, really do anything against this phylloxera. And he said to my grandgrandfather, grandfather now I must uh, uh, sell six Grand Cru Chapelle-Chambertin. This is uh, the first step for us.
0: Oh, and so that began the purchases along with the liturgiaire of the holdings today, which are significant in Chambertin over, over <laughs> a hectare.
2: Exactly. I think, it, yeah, once again, this Philoxera, it was very, very, uh, can we say troubled time, you know, because at this time, as you know, uh, if we sum up the history of La Bourgogne, it's really a monastic land. And I, I think that it's very important that time, because during this time, the monks had time to do things. Uh, very slowly, and they uh, have the real conscience of their own soil. And they uh, could test, if, they, they, they used to test the soil to see the difference between uh, Latriciere and Chambertin, for example. And I think it was very, very important because it took time. Uh, wine needs peace and need also time. And uh, what we do now, it's... Uh, we, we are very inspired by, by that, that idea, I think. And uh, Louis Trappet, perhaps, was the, the very first one who had this uh, idea to, uh, to graft the vine. And uh, I think Latricia was a fantastic place because uh, 1st of January 1904, he bought this land and he was very, very proud. And my grand-grandfather was also very, very proud to, to buy this, uh, this land. And then, after this monastic time, in uh, the uh, late 18th century, uh, as you know, uh, when the French Revolution, and a large part of uh, this uh, land, who have been owned by the monk, have been sold to a larger owner. For example, banker Jules Ouvrard, uh, who have been uh, one of the Napoleon. Uh, provider of weapons and also a banker, both at this time uh, Le Clou and and uh, both also uh, a large part of uh, Le Chambertin and after this time uh, went the time of the smaller uh, vigneron, just after the, the phylloxera and uh, the third time we had, it was during the 1929 crisis and uh, a lot of uh, domains have been uh, sold to other people at this time. And this is uh, just after the First World War. It was uh, yes, very troubled time. And I think that my family could afford some larger plot at, at this time. And they bought their very first plot of Chambertin uh, just after the First World War in 1990. When did the domain
0: start to... Domain bottle in quantity.
2: That's another history, because uh, the the son of, of Louis Trappé was Arthur Trappé, and uh, he was very very uh, clever man, because as it in, in France it, it's still existing, you know, a, a sort of a, can we say a concourse for the very good pupils and uh, he won He went the very first uh, pupil of uh, all uh, La Bourgogne, and he could get uh, something we call that uh, a bourse, you know, they they give you uh, money. They set aside money for like a grant. Exactly. And at this time he decided to, he was a little bit scared about what what he could do at this time, because uh, he had the choice between uh, engineer school, or to stay vigneron. And he decided to stay Vigneron because he was uh, very proud to be a peasant. And uh, in fact, his energy uh, was used to uh, to have bigger land, to buy some uh, very nice plots. And uh, I think this Pierre-Arthur Trappé was the very first one who had the opportunity to buy uh, some larger uh, land. And uh, he was very proud of that, yeah. And just after, my grandfather, uh, Louis Trappé, was a very gentle and very well-mannered man, uh, but he never had the opportunity to buy uh, land. And uh, um, he was very, very uh, kind with other people, you know. And uh, he was also the past president of the uh, syndicat Jaurès chambertin And um, he just... Decide to uh, to keep what his father done, and after that, my father Jean Trapet was the very first one who decided uh, to bottle uh, his wine, and our first customer was Alexis Lichine. Oh, exactly, and uh, my if I remember well, my father he say, uh, oh uh, Alexis was. Fantastic because you you, just after my grandfather Louis Trappé met Alexis Lichin uh, after the Second World War. uh, Because Alexis uh, was an officer and he came at home and he really appreciated his wine. And he said, Oh, that will be a good idea, uh, perhaps to bottle the wine and to, uh, to sell it to the American market. And uh, it was—it's something in in 1959, I think, the very first vintage we had.
0: A lot of domain bottling into the 60s, then.
2: E- exactly, exactly. It was a time that people had the real conscience that uh, it's, it's a good idea to do that.
0: You're right. And then in 1990, there was a split uh-huh. with the family.
2: Exactly. Uh, sometimes it's very important to, uh, to do that because uh, when you do things, I took the responsibility with my wife, Andre uh, in 1990. And uh, I think it's, it's very important because it's very personal, you know, when you do, uh, when you manage a vineyard and when you do, do the vinification, uh, it's like uh, writing. You have your own writing and it's very important to do that. Uh, in order to respect the land uh, and the appellation that uh, your father and your your family gave to you. you Something you're responsible for, with your name on it. Exactly. And I believe also that uh, we are responsible of that and we are a sort of link, you know. As As I often say, you know, people... They go, they go through, and uh, the ground, the land, stay. I, I, I think that um, even if you uh, don't own the land, you have the responsibility of this land. And uh, for me, it's, it's very important to, uh, to have the respect of the, of the soil, of the vine. This is uh, the main point.
0: Today you have significant holding in Chambertin, Mm-hmm. a holding in La uh-huh. a holding in Chapelle-Chambertin.
2: Exactly.
0: And then the Premier Cruze, Cloprier and Petite-Chapelle. That's it. And then also a smaller holding of Gevrey Premier Cruz that you blend together, including Corbeau. Exactly, you're right, yeah. And then you make Gevrey village uh-huh. and then Marcenay, Rouge and Blanc, uh-huh. exactly. from a blend of vineyards. Uh-huh. So that's a pretty interesting spread. Uh-huh. So how would you compare the different Grand Cru's of Gevray? What What is the difference between La Chapelle, and Chambertin from your experience?
2: That's a very good question because they are very, very different, very distinctive, you know. For me, even on the Chambertin, this is quite curious, but even on the Chambertin, the um, geology is very different. On the Chambertin, uh, and start with the Chambertin. uh, When I took the responsibility uh, of the domain, I noticed that uh, it was incredibly uh, different kind of soil because my father uh, used to plow, but he also had the idea to uh, to use some herbicide, to be honest, at this time. And uh, when I took my tractor the first time to plow the Chambertin, I really feel and notice the difference of the soil. From the bottom to the top, we have uh, different stratus. Can we say stratus? Mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. Uh, um, at the bottom, we have quite deep clay soil. It's incredible because when uh, in uh, 1992, I decided to replant a very small parcel of Chambertin, I uh, tell uh, uh, my friend um, to, to dig the land, to, to dig it as uh, as deep as possible, and it was incredible because he just dig something like more than three meters, uh, and he couldn't find any uh, stone, no bedrock. No, it was very impressive. This is the uh, the bottom of the Chambertin. Then when we climb a little bit up we find a very well-drained soil which is limestone. It's fantastic because uh, at this place the vine is very well balanced. It's every time, it, even if it's cold, it's, if it's warm, if it, even if it's wet or uh, it's always a very good condition for the, for the vine. And on the top Uh, There is a place that the ancients called les Laréfrois, meaning a very cool and fresh slope. And this uh, Laréfrois is, in fact, the white marnel. And that white marnel gives to the grapes and to the wine after that is a very nice and very well-structured backbone uh, frame. So I really like that, that part of the Chambertin.
0: So it's a marl, it's a
2: blend of limestone and clay. Exactly, exactly, that's it. This is for the Chambertin. And, uh, and
0: you have three parcels of Chambertin. So
2: exactly. So does
0: that mean that you have it in different parts of those strata? Exact.
2: Exact. And usually when the uh, the average is uh, quite good, uh, I'm very lucky because I, uh, I separate it in uh, two different vats. On one vat, I put gently my grapes of the older vines. On the, or the other vat, I put my grapes of the younger vines. And I see quite a big difference at the beginning. But after, uh, I don't know, uh, 18 to 20 months of elevage, we can't really feel the difference. It's more I on see. the soil. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So do you think if someone had a a single parcel in Chambertin, as opposed to the three that you have in the different areas, that their expression of Chambertin might be markedly different than yours because it would be an expression of one of those as opposed to a blend?
2: You know, I I, I believe that uh, it's very important. Everybody here is different. And I think that uh, everybody can uh, give to the other something else. And even for the Chambertin, this is a fact. Uh, I'm very lucky and very, uh, that's a great joy for me to have have these three parcels because uh, some grapes are uh, smaller, the clusters are very small, some are are bigger, we have in some parts some uh, thicker skins on the Pinot Noir. uh, uh, Every grape, we we must respect that. This is the, the real difference is there. And when you do that with the conscience of the respect, I think that after uh, 20 months of élevage, you can really feel the the, the difference. But after 10 or uh, 20 years, uh, there is a sort of common idea of the Chambertin. Even if my friend Néosier Vigneron uh, do something different, there is some difference at the beginning, but after you can really feel what is the Chambertin. But that. In my point of view, this is very important to, uh, to be passionate. Uh, wine, I said that you uh, need a long time to express its uh, typicity for me. And you must lay down the bottle uh, in, the, in, the, in the cold and the quiet uh, cellar. Forget it, perhaps for uh, 10 or 20 years. And then you, you can really uh, rediscover it. But it needs time. For me, uh, wine—it's uh, the expression of the soil, the expression of the weather, but also it's a sort of human construction, if we can say that. And this human construction is less and less important when you have time to uh, to feel and to yes to to, to fill your wine.
0: And you've mentioned to me in the past that chambray sometimes takes about ten years in bottle to really show.
2: I think so. At, uh, yeah, at, uh, it's a minimum for me, it's a minimum if you want to uh, really have the, the M to, to, uh, of the, the Chambertin. Mm.
0: And you also once told me that Chambertin itself is kind of a blend of the fruit of Chapelle-Chambertin and the earth of La Is that how you would sum it up?
2: I, I think so. Chapelle, for example, it's very uh, special in particular because this is a uh, chapelle we have so so few soil it's incredible because we have stone we have rock we have uh, and i usually say that to to my wife andre when uh, the very first time i uh, took my tractor my uh, father don't uh, warn me about this uh, particle soil on La Chapelle. How rocky it was. Exactly. And it was very impressive because I took my tractor and I had I at this time the idea that uh, I uh, must plow very deeply my soil in order to get the oxygen and aeration of the soil. And after that I saw it was not a very good idea because mm. At this time in 1990, um, when I took my tractor, I saw the soil moving perhaps one meter forward my tractor. And I said, what happened with that? And in fact, it was due to the fact that, uh, yes, it was very rocky. It's like uh, we call that a lava. This is a, like a table rock, you know. And uh, it was incredible. And I after that, I say, oh, I must respect my soil. I don't want to do that. So, gradually I've done things differently, and now we use very small uh, cover crop and very jungle things to uh, to plow the vineyard.
0: So the rock was so long that you would touch it on one side and it would move exactly. that's quite it. a bit further out on that's the other side.
2: Exactly, that's it, you're right, yeah. And for La Chapelle, due to the fact that there is a lot of uh, rocks, this is a place where I can find my the very first early growing season, the very first birds. Then this is a place where I see the first flower the blooming is there at the first time. And this is a place where usually I I, I begin the, the harvest. So for La Chapelle, it's always a very sunny place. It's a place where uh, the, the ripeness is perfect, sometimes uh, over-perfect if, if, if I could uh, if I can say that um, And but this is a place where the, 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 the grapes are very very uh, beautiful very uh, very small Very, I really like the, the grapes of La Chapelle
0: But when you go to La Truchière it must be colder because you're near a comb if I remember correctly
2: Exactly, you know that um, we are very close to a very small comb which is Uh, A Combe en Bourgogne, this is perhaps the the more preeminent type of landscape, can we say that?
0: Sure, it's it's something that you see noticeably in Burgundy.
2: Exactly. And At Jeuves-Faint-Bartin, for example, we have three uh, main Combes. The very first one is La Combe de la and uh, Besides this Combe de la you can find uh, you know that, Les Clos-Saint-Jacques, which is a fantastic place and uh, La Famille Rousseau, for example, produce uh, some some wine that I qualified uh, as, a, as perfect, as a p- perfect place, I think. And uh, uh, on the south part of jean you will find uh, La Combe Grisard. And this is uh, the place where we find Les Latricières. Oh, I see. And Latricières, for me, is very uh, particular and very uh, distinctive because at this place, you have the both effects of the freshness of the, it, there is a sort of wind which goes through the vines and through the grapes. It's, I, I think that pin, as you know, if you want to have uh, the purest uh, pinot, pinot noir as possible, you need this very fresh hair uh, in order to slow down the ripeness and to slow down the, the growing of the vine, in order also to uh, uh, respect the, uh, the complexity of the, uh, of the ar- aroma of, uh, of, of the Pinot Noir. And on the Latriciere, you, you have this aspect. But you, you have also to counterbalance this aspect. Something which is very interesting is that on the Latriciere, you have a very well-drained and gravelly soil, and this gravel and rocks reflect an energy. And for me, you are too, I really feel that it's like two, two forces against. Uh, on one part, you have the, the cool and wind and the cool air. On the other part, you have the reflection of the, uh, of the rocks. So it's very interesting for me because uh, Latricière always develop very slowly is a complex element, and I think that for me latrissier is one of my uh, uh, is perhaps my favorite. The first reason is, as I said to you, this is a place where my great grandfather bought his very first Grand Cru, and we are very proud of that. But in fact, there is. Uh, a geological element which gives to the wine uh, is very uh, profound and very uh, nice complexity. And this is a, a place I really love. It's my favorite, too. Thank you. I, mean, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know your wine. We, we, as well do, we as don't as... have any uh, latriciere here, <laughs> any water but uh, we, we have the tr- transparency and the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, what about your premier cruise? So what, what is the difference between Petite Chapelle and Cloprier? Oh, they are quite different. As you know, Petite Chapelle is very close to La Grande Chapelle. And uh, like uh, La Grande Chapelle, La Petite Chapelle, we have very nice limestone soil. A lot of, of, in that place also, we have a lot of uh, small uh, small, uh, rocks. And uh, this is a place, perhaps like uh, La Grande Chapelle, where we we can find very well-balanced grapes. You have both on La Petite Chapelle the uh, very nice acidity, the nice frame of the, of the wine, uh, but you have also very nice ripeness. It's always very... Uh, we, we always have very nice sugar level on uh, La Petite Chapelle. And this is uh, perhaps... The place is very particular, you know. And uh, 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 my friends from uh, Jauré-Chambartin are very proud because... Uh, some of them uh, have very large parcels of La Petite Chapelle, and this is a very particular place for the, for the Premier Cru. Cloprieur, it's much more... Uh, at the beginning, it's more, uh, could we say, shy. Cloprieur needs perhaps longer time to develop uh, its complexity, I think. That's a very different kind of, uh, of wine.
0: And what about the Gervais Vallage?
2: Uh, for Gevray, we have uh, also some very nice uh, parcels from the Brochon side. I really like that, that place because at that place there is no Grand Cru on the northern part, but on the very nice slope, this is a yeah, this is a, uh, the continuation of some uh, some Premier Cru, and at this place we can uh, find some uh, plots like uh, Derret, Champerrier. And it's very curious because this is a place where we have all the older vines, and this soil has the ability to uh, to to age the the vine very well. I don't know if I can say that, but uh, we at this place we have very very old vines. In fact, for example, my grandfather uh, Louis Trappe uh, often he says to me. Uh, that he had the opportunity to replant uh, le Chambertin. It was no. In fact, it was it was not really allowed to replant the Chambertin. It was just allowed to cut the roots of the plant because it was a very serious uh, work and very serious uh, engagement for the future. And his father just uh, gave to him the. Uh, uh, the responsibility to cut the root, but not to put the plant into the soil, and it was very. When I, I heard that, I say, "Why uh, uh, you've done only that?" And he said, "It was very serious work." So, uh, um, and he will remember quite well when he uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, to replant the Chambertin, but he never remember when exactly he replant the plot of uh, Champérier. And in fact, we have very, very old plants, very old vine at this place. It was perhaps uh, replanting just before the First World War. So uh, we have very impressive uh, uh, rootstock, and uh, it's, it's very nice to see that. Yeah.
0: When you propagate, do you propagate selection all, or do you use clones?
2: This is a good question because... Um, during more than 20 years, my father, we had quite uh, severe problem with what we call, uh, it's a, a virus, uh, which is called Cournouet. And a large part of the vineyard, of the vineyard have been uh, replanted at this time, uh, because this virus is, can be very violent, uh, but also it can be uh, an element of quality. And uh, my father decided to replant with what we call uh, clonal uh, selection. And at this time, we had uh, some nice uh, selection, but it was not so good as uh, we can find now. But uh, when uh, uh, with Andre, we took the responsibility of the domain, we, I think, decided quite uh, quickly to uh, replace our, vin- our vineyard with a uh, massal selection. Because as I told you, that, that's exactly the same idea. Uh, everybody is different, and every plant is also different, and can, can give something else, can, uh, can express uh, different things of the, of the soil. And I think that Pinot Noir uh, that's a, can be the perfect translator Uh, of the soil. So it's very important to uh, have a very nice selection. And uh, in Bourgogne, we have now an association which is called uh, La Sauvegarde du Pinot Noir. And uh, uh, everybody who is a member of this uh, uh, association must select, have the uh, uh, responsibility to, to select in his own vineyard the very best plant. And now I'm very happy. Uh, we have a friend of mine has his nursery on Alsace. Can we say, yeah, on, on, on Alsace? Uh, his name is uh, Christophe Ebinger, and with him, we select our plants, and uh, we cultivate it, and after three years, we replant what we have on our own vineyard. So it's very important for me. That's you know the, the transmission of my grandfather done because at this time, just after the phylloxera, uh, the the Vigneron, they, they were um, also a nursery can we can we say they also nurserymen n- nurse, nurserymen and it was very important because they the, the on, only the vignerons know uh what what is good for his uh, for the, for his ground or for his terroir. So I think it's that's a very important part of uh of the skill of the of the vineyard, of the vigneron. Mm.
0: Throughout the nineties you began an engagement with biodynamic farming and you were officially changed over in nineteen ninety eight to biodynamic certified, which is early in terms of burgundy. That's the same year that Le Lafleur was hundred percent biodynamic as well. What was that change like for you? And what put you in that direction of thinking?
2: Oh, that's a large question. I think uh, biodynamy for us was very important at this time. And I must express uh, my uh, gratitude to my wife, André, because she comes from Alsace, And as you know, in Alsace there is some strong place of uh, la biodynamie. There is, uh, for example, uh, the syndicate... Uh, the office of the syndicate of the, the biodynamie is in Colmar. So uh, I think that it was very important for us. And um, at this time, uh, when we, we took the responsibility in 1919, we had a very good friend who have been uh, sick. He had, uh, he had um, uh, poison. With the uh, some uh, uh, some chemical things, used. He, he was um, an agriculturist. And as you know, uh, uh, if you are agriculturist, you uh, uh, are in your tractor. You have uh, a very in your in your tractor is there is a sort of a pressurized air, which is very uh, well-filled there, and uh, even if he had this system, he went, can we say he went sick? He, went he became ill. He, he, he became ill, sorry, he became ill, and uh, I say it's, it's incredible, you know, uh, because when you are vigneron, you are very close to your leaves, and we have very na- narrow row in Bourgogne, and I said to uh, to André, and. The, uh, to my employees, I can't. Uh, we can't continue like that. And at this time, I uh, was very, very scared of the idea to uh, continue to uh, to use these chemical things. And uh, we decided to go uh, on uh, directly to an organic farming. But for us. Organic farming was not enough because, uh, as you know, uh, we still uh, we uh, continue to use some uh, bouillie bordelaise. On, on with this bouillie bordelaise, it's uh, it's copper, and the copper can uh, destroy the uh, balance of your soil, the life of your soil. And if you go directly to the organic farming, you can also damage your soil, and it's not fair. So at this time, my uh, father had a cousin, uh, and this cousin uh, was quite a famous uh, uh, biodynamic agriculturist. And uh, when I said to my uh, cousin, oh, I'd, I'd like to be a, uh, an organic uh, farmer, uh, but I'm scared about using uh, copper. He say, "Come on, see uh, us. I will show you something else." And he show me the biodynamie. and I really discover at this time uh, the uh, what could be the effect of the biodynamie. And we we have been quite curious at the beginning because it's uh, quite a, it was quite unusual. But after three to five years, I think that we. We have been very confident and uh, very, very happy with that kind of farming. Mm.
0: So there have been, in terms of vintages, some very diverse vintages since that change. How have you found biodynamic to help or to be more challenging based upon the vintage? Has it mattered in terms of the temperature or conditions of a year?
2: There is a lot of, many, many effects on the, on the vines. And I must confess, that at the beginning, I've done things alone, my preparation alone. Because uh, beauty must be uh, shared with other people who work with you. And the very first time, it was at Marsanet, it was in 1996, I uh, used some preparation like uh, 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 500, 500. And during the spring in 1996, I decided to do uh, what we call 501, which is silicium. And at this time, the effect was incredible, amazing, because uh, even my, the guys who worked with me uh, didn't recognize their, their vine. It was at Marsanet, and we had the, the disease I, I, uh, I told you, you know, the Cornoue. And uh, after a couple of weeks, I said to my guys, I use this uh, 501, and I said to my guys, come, we uh, come with me, we will uh, tying up the vineyard. And they said to me, oh, Jean-Louis, you are uh, too young in the domain, you know, that this place, uh, uh, they are so teeny and so small and so it's a disaster, you know, because we uh, we only tie up this marsanne one time and that's enough. And I say no, no, come, come, we will see the vine, and they couldn't uh, recognize the vine. They say, oh, what? You you use some uh, some chemical things, uh, uh, nutrients to do? No, I say, I explain to us, uh, it's only the effect of la biodynamie. and uh, it it was inc- incredible, and uh, people uh, they they want to uh, to know to know more about biodynamie, and I explained to. To my guys, and uh, we really feel the the, the effect of the biodynamic uh, for the older men after hmm, uh, five years on the wine. The some for the silicium, it's it's that it can go very uh, very fast and very quick the the, uh, the, the change the change of uh, uh, of the aspect of the vine, but uh, on the wine it, it takes more long time. And the main effect, perhaps, is that uh, at this time, we had quite uh, uh, low acidity. And acidity is very important in the Pinot Noir because that gives the frame and the structure of the wine. And the first effect was there. We had very nice, well-balanced wine after that. Because 97 was a low acid year for you. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then you started with biodynamic fully in 98.
2: Exactly. Uh, uh, the very first uh, yep, uh, preparation and, uh, we've done, it was 1996 and 1997. Uh, we had quite a, a large part. And when uh, I saw the effect on the 1997 vintage on the on the, on the acidity, I say that's, that's the way. That's, uh, and what we had noticed also, is that, as you know, the big challenge now is to have the good balance between the tannins and the perfect ripeness uh, of the of the grape. And uh, some sometimes, perhaps due to the global warming, we see uh, more frequently that uh, the the grapes can be very uh, very ripe. And uh, the biodynamic give us the ability to uh, harvest s- s- sooner. Can we say that? Sooner or uh, in order to preserve a very nice acidity, but also to have a very ripe tannin. So, yeah, I think this, this is very important for us. Yeah.
0: In a different periods of time, you've experimented with low sulfur, including a, a Pinot Noir Gamay in 13. What have been your thoughts about using less sulfur?
2: When we start the biodynamics, uh, this is another effect, you know, because uh, the, the young people uh, are very curious about uh, biodynamics. And uh, at this time, I had uh, a trainee. Can we say that? Sure. A, trainee, uh, a trainee, stagiaire. A stagiaire, exactly. And uh, this uh, stagiaire came from Switzerland, and he just asked me, "Oh, Jean-Louis, I know that you uh, you began, uh, you start the biodynamics." Uh, and I'd like to learn more and more on about biodynamie. And I said uh, to Julien, his name? Julien Dutri, And I said to him, uh, when you like to come and see us? And he said, oh, I'd like to come during the harvest. I say, it's impossible to learn uh, anything about uh, biodynamie du- during the harvest. But at this time, I wrote a book about Jules Chauvet. and I said to him. Uh, we can do some tests about this, this way to uh, to accompany the wine. I don't know if you heard about Jules Chauvet. This man was a small legation, but a very open mind and very curious. And uh, he had really the, the strong feeling of, uh, uh, he was a scientist also. And he Decide, he said. The very best uh, Beaujolais. He, went, he came from the uh, La Chapelle de Guinchet, from the Beaujolais, and he said the very best way to accompany the Beaujolais is uh, less. Less is more. Is to do less as possible, because at this time some people they uh, they, they want to uh, uh, to use uh, some yeast or they, they use some uh, uh, some sugar or they use fertilization, uh, or they also use a lot of uh, quite a good amount of, uh, of sulfur. And Jules Chauvet uh, said, we, we don't need this uh, artifact to do a great Beaujolais. And uh, I, I said to, to Vien, I said at, at that time, we can try to, uh, to do what's, what now we call a, a nature wine, with no sulfur, and we've done that on a small parcel, a very tiny parcel, uh, which is quite well located uh, at Gevray-Chambertin. This parcel is called Les Grands Champs, and we start to do, uh, do, this, to do the experimentation, and it was very funny because uh, the, the, the trainees are uh, very passionate, you know, and uh, Julien, uh, after four days, of the minification came on, on, on see me and uh, he was very scared, very f- afraid about uh, his cuvee. He said, oh, I, I can't recognize there is uh, some uh, very particular smell. Uh, it's, it's awful. What can I do? I said to him, uh, no problem. Uh, we, we can punch down gently the, um, uh, the cap. We can uh, put the juice over. Can, uh, and uh, the fermentation took place and it was perfect. So uh, the year later, due to the very, very nice uh, experience we, we've done, I decided to do some uh, more experimentation on Gevray-Chambertin, uh, Marsanet. But it was, I think, not uh, the right way to uh, accompany the, uh, this, this appellation. So still an open question for you a little bit. We are, yeah, we... I, I, I don't think it's, for the, for the Gamay, it's very particular because we have this very nice uh, acidity. But for the Pinot Noir, if you want to express, if you want to catch the real typicity of the soil, the technique of no surfer is perhaps too, uh, too heavy. Too, uh, and it's, it's not a good way to, uh, uh, to, to respect the wine. I don't think so. It seems
0: over the years that you've had an evolving relationship to the use of new oak. Uh, When I visited recently, most of the barrels were about five years old or a little older, Mm -hmm. but it appears earlier in your career you tended to use more new oak. What are your thoughts on that today?
2: For me, élevage is very important. uh, Because if you want to to get a very well-balanced wine, uh, the wine has to go through different stages. And uh, sometime, at some time it must go on the more reductive phases, and sometimes it must have some more oxygen. And uh, the cask is one of the elements uh, which have the ability to give the hair to, to the wine. Uh, it's like an exchange. Uh, the wine breathes through the wood, through the cask. And this is the effect uh, we reach. But uh, to be honest, I dislike um, the oak taste, and I think that uh, élevage, the traditional élevage, is very important uh, in order to give to the wine his uh, his hair. But uh, if we can avoid the, the 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 oak flavor, it's it's much more better for me. And what about stems?
0: I feel like sometimes you use a differing percentage of, of whole cluster. Mm-hmm.
2: We also are in, a, can we say, in, a, in progress uh, on that point. Once again, one of my trainees, uh, uh, I had the idea to, uh, to use more uh, whole cluster, but it was not very common at Geoffrey Uh My uh, great-grandfather... Uh, in the early uh, or late uh, 90s uh, use um, a destemmer and it was quite common to use it to destem but perhaps due to an evolution due to the global warming I really feel that uh, the, um, the respect of the grape is very important and you have very, uh, if you have very, very ripe grapes, you must perhaps counterbalance this effect with an other la- element. And uh, the respect of the grapes, the stem, can be also very interesting. Uh, but it, it's not uh, dogmatic for me. It depends only on the aspect of the grape. If we have teeny grapes with very thick skins i uh with andre we have a a sorting table and we are taking off these very small berries, this very small cluster and we put it gently in a basket and then we put uh in, in into the vat but it depends only on the af- aspect of the of the grapes and uh more oftenly now, we have very, very nice uh, berries. For example, 2012 was a perfect example because we had this, uh, it was like, uh, you know, teeny, uh, teeny caviar, uh, and it was so, so wonderful, so beautiful that we decided to uh, keep a larger part of orchestra uh, whole raisin entier, into the vet. At least... Uh, 50 to uh, 60% of that, and for the Chambertin even more, and it wasn't so fantastic, but it's it's very different kind of uh, vinification. And there is also another another fact. Uh, we now use a very gentle destemmer, and even if you destem, you can preserve the entire berry into your vet. And it it's very impressive because when you put the grapes into the vats, we do that. Uh, we call it encuvage. It's like a pyramid, pyramid. A pyramid, sure. A pyramid into the vat. So that means that you, you, we, uh, we, uh, we respect the the grapes.
0: And what about the length of mallow? Do you find that varying from year to year?
2: Oh, it depends mainly in, uh, on the year, on the vintage, you know. I think uh, uh, this element has have to be seen as background information, you know. If the, the wine for me have its own life, 99% of uh, the wine is uh, due to the respect that you have on your vineyard. After that, you must, it's compulsory and it's obvious that it's very important to uh, select your grapes. But after the vinification is uh, is, is minimalist. Uh, we are just pumping over the juice. We are just sometime at the beginning of the fermentation punching down the cap, but very gently. And for the malolactic fermentation, that uh, the same the same way the same idea. If the wine decide to start its own fermentation, malolactic fermentation quite early. It's okay. I mean, he decided to start after the first spring. Uh, the ancient call that "la Pousse du printemps." They, they call that. It was very funny because they they, uh, they do, uh, do not realize uh, exactly uh, what was the malerective fermentation. And uh, now we are uh, we we can uh, uh, we can observe that, but it. It's mainly depend on the, on the on the vintage, and we never force the wine to uh, to do its fermentation uh, early or uh, later. You know.
0: You find yourself using the press wine.
2: Uh, once again, I uh, something is very important. You know, uh, wine is uh, is uh, made of sensation, and you must taste every day. The real birth date of the wine in when is when, when you, you press the wine, you, you divat and you press the wine. This is the first step for me. And uh, this is a very important time. So uh, we test the wine uh, and after that, depending on the uh, vintage, we use a press or not. But it depends on the tenants of the structure of the tenants, And if we feel that the tenants are not so good, I decide uh, to to take only the um, uh, le vin de gouttage, le, le vin de goutte. Mm.
0: Your wife brought with her holdings from Alsace. Mm-hmm. You have several Rieslings, and also Gewurztraminer and Pinot Gris. Uh-huh.
2: Um, You've tasted it?
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> delicious. Especially the Schoenberg, I thought, for me. Uh-huh. And then, so, how is it to focus so much on uh, an entirely different climate, more on white wine, on semi aromatic grape varietals with you know, virtually no wood, sometimes some wood, but much less? I mean, how is that for you? Is that a, a very different shift of of mind or was it, it come natural? Or?
2: Ah, that's, that's a fantastic place. As, as you know, uh, Lady, yes, we have a, very, very happy with this uh, vineyard because uh, uh, we spend the whole week uh, in Bourgogne. We take our car, we drive two hours, two hours half uh, uh, north, uh, and we arrive at a place that I call Le Petit Paradis, The Little Paradise. And for me, Alsace, it's a fantastic place because they have uh, uh, Gewürztraminer, they have different variety, but we have also I, I, I fall in love of Riesling. I'm fond of, we are fond with Andre of, uh, of Riesling. And for me, Alsace is so, uh, uh, so fantastic because the, sorry, the geology is, is fantastic. Uh, in Bourgogne, we mostly have uh, clay, limestone. We have some more marl, as I said to you. But on Alsace, we can find the loose, We can find the volcanic, the granitic, you can also find the, the clay, the limestone, everything is there. And uh, for me, the wrestling is uh, the perfect translator of this uh, complexity. And uh, when we decided to, uh, to take the responsibility of uh, the, the very tiny domain uh, on Alsace, it was quite difficult to take the decision because uh, you can't be uh, a spare-time vigneron. You must be uh, a full-time vigneron. And uh, the very first vintage was uh, 2003. And uh, we decided quite uh, early to be uh, in in biodynamic. For us, it was compulsory to do the same way as we do in Bourgogne. And uh, the problem was, how can we be? We we don't uh, we, we 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 don't have the uh, the ability to 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 be at both places at the same time. We are not ubiquitous. And uh, uh, we said, okay, we will uh, walk very hard to do that. But after two years, we said. Possible to do that so gradually we had the opportunity to uh, to grow uh, up the vineyard and uh, now we have something like 13 hectares and uh, I'm very proud of that because we have uh, each, each terroir are, are there and we are on the heart of, uh, of the appellation, at Riqueville which is a fantastic place and um, uh, we are very lucky because we have four Grand Cru, we have uh, two Gewürztraminer Grand Cru, one on the Sporon, uh, which is located at Rigvier, and the other one at uh, Biblenheim, the Sonnenglanz. And these places are perfect for the for the Gewürztraminer. And we own also a very nice uh, Grand Cru, which is called Schlossberg, and I really like the Schlossberg, the granitic soil. And we have also uh, very nice parcel on the Chernambour which is very close for me to the Chambertin it's, it's curious because Chernambour for example is uh, as you know Alsace is quite far uh, uh, geographically because it's towards north but it's very close in terms of geology I told you that on Chambertin we find the clay we find the limestone and we also have the white marnel. On the on the Champ d'Aveau, uh, we have the clay, we have the limestone, and we also have the Marl, But it's a blue marble. that's a Kuiper marnel. And the same kind of soil gives the wine the same idea. Because the Chambertin sometimes is a little bit shy at the beginning, you must uh, lay down the bottle, forget it. And for the Chardonnay it's exactly the same thing. Uh, that's a very long aging wine the Charnambourg is fantastic for that at the beginning sometimes it's quite difficult you have this very nice bitter uh, this bitter uh, which are very good for the, for the structure of the wine but you uh, a Grand Charnambourg must be kept a long time if you want to discover what is a, a Charnambourg and the same kind of salt gives the same idea of the wine and for me that's the perfect uh, demonstration of the terroir and we are very happy to have this uh, this uh, this domain on Alsace.
0: Speaking of that terroir diversity I mean what should I understand about Marseille coming from a, a, a normal Gevray perspective but also working in Alsace how is it different in Marcenay?
2: Marcenay is also a fantastic place because there is at this place it's quite a brand new appellation as you know uh, my father bought his first parcel in, in 1980 and uh, five years later, uh, he could produce Marsanet Appellation. It's quite, quite a young Appellation. It's perhaps due to the fact that just at the time of the creation of the Appellation in 1935, the vigneron at Marsanet they used to sell easily their wine to the restaurant, to the bistro at uh, Dijon. So it was very easy to sell the wine. And uh, moreover, at this time, when uh, you uh, had the, the appellation, you had to pay a tax. So like a good and we dislike to pay a tax. It was uh, uh, counterproductive, can we say that? Or, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, they say, oh, we don't need the appellation. We pay a tax and uh, everything is uh, sold out after six months and uh, uh, we don't need to, uh, this this appellation. And uh, in the late sixty, uh, they had quite big difficulties to sell the wine. And they decide to uh, join the Côte de Nuit village appellation. But, uh, even, even, even more, uh, this, uh, appellation was, uh, was quite difficult to sell. And the people from uh, Côte de Nuit say, Oh, no, we don't want to have Marcenet because that, uh, uh we say, we will say that, uh, we will have double the surface of the, of the, of the vineyard. And, uh, people from Marcenet, they are very, very energic, very clever, and they now believe hardly in their appellation. And there is some uh, very young uh, vignerons, very dynamic vignerons, who decide to get uh, uh, the appellation, and they uh, they obtain, the, uh, they had the appellation in 1995 uh, for the first vintage, and after 10 years, they decide to get the premier cru level. And uh, uh, they asked some uh, professor of uh, Bourgogne University, Monsieur Garcia et Petit, and they drew up, can we say that, the, the first map of the, uh, of the terroir. And it was fantastic. Because they use some very modern technology. For example, uh, uh, we call that uh, resonance. Uh, it's a sort of vibration to, uh, in order to lo- to have a good localization of the fail. And they also asked to the ancient vigneron, uh, "What about you, your vineyard? You think that uh, you have early uh, blooming or not?" Uh, so they've done a. Very large uh, work and very large uh, and a very interesting uh, uh, work about uh, about the geology. And they present their work to the uh, IENAO, Institut d'Appellation d'Origine. And uh, I hope in the, the nearest future as possible, we will have some premier cru at Marsanet. And for me, Marsanet, that's a very interesting place because it the uh, continuation of uh, Gevray-Chambertin soil. Perhaps soil in some places are uh, more deep and we have more uh, red clay limestone soil with more iron that give perhaps to the the wine more structure wine, uh, more uh, powerful wine and sometimes some uh, more not harsh tanning, but uh, more uh, more difficult tanning at, at the beginning. More of a back uh, off, yeah, exactly. But this is all. Uh, once again, it's very interesting because people at this place are very dynamic and they know perfectly the the characteristic of their soil and they manage very well the vinification, uh, which fits with the more uh, finesse wine. And I uh, I think that. Marseille is, is very very uh, uh, that's a fantastic place and that's, that's the next the future of the Bourgogne is there with the people uh, who are very proud of their appellation and uh, that's a great joy to see the young generation now uh, who are very engaged and uh, and uh, um, the Bourgogne is still continue on the on the right way I think
0: it strikes me that your family both in the past when a visitor told your ancestor about grafting and then in your own generation has been open to ideas from other regions someone tells you about me or lower sulfur and you experiment what other ideas are percolating in your mind to think about for the future
2: hmm <laughs> that's a good question I think we are uh, we are in, in in progress, you know, uh, and uh, we must keep an, on our mind that La Bourgogne need uh, need peace. La Bourgogne need to be uh, need, need respect. Soil needs the respect, and I think in the future we must go further, go. Uh, in, in that way, and perhaps there is some uh, some idea with the soil. There is after some idea with the vinification, uh, and there is also some idea with the élevage. Uh, uh, but always we must always keep in our mind the respect. So I think, uh, yes, yeah, it's it's very important to. To, to 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 be in, in your vineyard, to look carefully your 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 vine, uh, to accompany with a very gentle, uh, gentle gentle manner, can we say that? Yeah. And I think that that is a way. And uh, what we do now with uh, uh, this is also. For me, wine it's, and, and vine, it's a, it's a link. Uh, it's, the first link, it's between uh, the soil and the, uh, the earth, the ground, and the sky. The vine is there. The second link is uh, uh, between the vine and the vigneron. And for me, the third link is between the people, who appreciate, who have the passion of the of the wine, and uh, the amateurs are in this long chain, and uh, I think we, we, we have the responsibility of the of the vineyard. So we are uh, we must look very carefully what we what we do on the vineyard and what we do on the vinification. We yes.
0: Jean-Louis Trappé of Trappé, Père, and Fee. His winery is on the main road of Gervais, but his thoughts are in the vine rows. Thank you very much for being here today.
2: Merci beaucoup. Merci, Levi. I was very pleased to, uh, to be with you, and sorry for my very poor English.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank Je- you. Jean-Louis Trappé of Trappé, Père, and Fee. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levi Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces.